This is Fine Tuning, an examination of Mark Lewison's Tune In. An original series by Another Kind of Mind. audience of a Beatles podcast, Mark Lewison needs no introduction. His many years of dedicated investigation, culminating in his book Tune In, has rightly earned him a reputation for painstaking research. Tune In has been embraced by most of the Beatles world as the definitive work on the band's early years, and Lewison as the world's foremost Beatles expert. However, if Tune In is a historical biography, if it is a major work of Beatles scholarship, if it matters, then it deserves and demands rigorous analysis. That is our goal with this series, serious, earnest analysis. Regular listeners of ACOM may know that we've occasionally been critical of TuneIn. Let's make it clear straight away that we don't think TuneIn is a bad book. We're also not trying to discourage anyone from buying or reading TuneIn. To the contrary, we encourage people to read, or in most cases reread, TuneIn after our series because we believe our analysis will enhance your reading experience. Furthermore, our criticisms are of Lewison's writing choices, not his integrity. He is telling a story from his point of view as a writer, researcher, and outside observer. Like anyone else, he has biases and preferences, and he makes editorial choices based on those biases and preferences, just as any writer, commentator, filmmaker, or podcaster would and does. <laughs> it's indisputable that Mark Lewison has access to more source material than any other Beatles writer ever has. That is a fact, and it's an important fact. But we often strongly disagree with much of the way he filters, interprets, and presents information. So while we acknowledge he has the advantage of greater quantity of information, we don't automatically grant him superior quality of analysis. To quote Lewison directly, I do leave a lot out, but what I want to include is so vast, it's hard to keep a handle on it. It's hard to kind of marshal it into a coherent form and keep it engaging. I've always just had a sense of what I think the reader will want and what I think the reader won't want. And it's really based on my own parameters of where I'm interested and where I think, no, no, it's a detail, but it doesn't add anything. It doesn't take it anywhere. 
It's just a tedious detail, really. Pruning details and highlighting major points and events to tell a cohesive story is a writer's responsibility. And Lewison is laser-focused on the story he wants to tell. What he isn't is perfect or omniscient or flawlessly unbiased. And we believe TuneIn is substantially and pervasively flawed due to its hyper-focus on one man. By centering John Lennon in the narrative, consistently downplaying his flaws and overemphasizing his virtues, and prioritizing his needs, goals, and opinions above all others, TuneIn presents a skewed view of the Beatles. We also find there is a relative lack of curiosity about and empathy towards Paul McCartney as a person, artist, and co-creator of the Beatles. Opinions aside, it is an objective fact that John Lennon gets more ink, more adulation, and more apologia than anyone else in TuneIn. Significantly more than Paul McCartney, and glaringly more than George or Ringo. In this series, our focus will be TuneIn's treatment of Lennon and McCartney, but we would love to see other scholars examine the treatment of George and Ringo, or to address other inequities that our series doesn't cover. So we are focused once again on John and Paul. <laughs> we sure are. You know, uh, that's that's what we do here. But we one thousand mm -hmm. million yeah. percent agree. You know, yeah. If John's flying first class and Paul gets booted back to economy, then <laughs> right, then Ringo and George are stuck back in the cargo bay. <laughs> in the past, when we've suggested the presence of bias in Tune In, defenders of the book have asked for a smoking gun. Well, quite simply, there isn't one. If there was, we would not need to make a multi-episode series. We're not suggesting TuneIn is a brazen hatchet job. Instead, it's death by a thousand cuts. This series will thoroughly and painstakingly identify and analyze those cuts, inflicted both by what's in the book and also by what's left out. We will show how TuneIn does not present Lennon and McCartney as equals, despite paying occasional lip service to that idea. We will demonstrate that they are not equitably represented as artists, not credited equally as architects of the Beatles, and not even given equitable consideration as complex human beings whose thoughts and feelings matter. Instead, TuneIn makes the case for Lennon's inherent supremacy through a relentless focus on his charismatic leadership, and it portrays him as the ultimate source and very essence of the Beatles. Meanwhile, McCartney is presented as naturally musically gifted, but otherwise a comparatively unremarkable and uninteresting person, naturally lesser than Lennon, and lucky to be his friend. Furthermore, we will identify multiple writing choices which seem to interpret Paul's personality and behavior in the most negative way possible. Which 
is strange, considering Tune In is ostensibly a biography of Paul McCartney as much as it is of John Lennon. It should come as no surprise that a Beatles biography is imperfect, even one as well-received as Tune In. While it is well-researched, meticulously documented, and full of painstaking detail, it is imperfect in substantive and consequential ways. Ultimately, it is but one passionate, knowledgeable, and dedicated man's point of view, and should be taken as such. Most importantly, no single book, or film, or podcast, this one included, <laughs> should ever be considered the final word on the Beatles. For example, we have a podcast in which we often address problems and inequities in the various narratives about the Beatles. We tend to focus on McCartney because we feel he has historically been under-examined in relation to Lennon, and because he is the Beatle, we tend to be most interested in. Some listeners may then wonder, how can ACOM presume to criticize Mark Lewison for focusing on and being most interested in John Lennon? Well, if we at ACOM decided to write and sell a history of the Beatles, and then promote it as authoritative, unbiased, and definitive, then we would definitely expect, require, and insist upon input and critiques from others. And we know we would need to be vigilant about not overcorrecting and scrupulous about giving more attention to the other Beatles' experiences and contributions than we typically do in our Lennon-McCartney-focused podcast. We are honored that listeners of Another Kind of Mind hold our podcast to a very high standard, and we ask that everyone listening extend that same high standard to tune in. Mr. Lewison's own website describes him as the acknowledged world authority on the Beatles. If that's true, and if Tune In is the most acclaimed, most authoritative book about the Beatles, then it obviously deserves a critical look. Well, it deserves it and it demands it. Great works of scholarship must be reviewed and critiqued. Absolutely. And if Tune In is a great book, it will withstand scrutiny. Well, here we are again, VB. <laughs> <laughs> Like we said before, one of the reasons we decided to do the series is because I think both of us, whenever we've been critical of TuneIn anywhere, we're almost always met with some level of astonishment, just incredulity. And you know, it's hard to explain something so complex in just a few words. Or even a lot of words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so to critique something as sprawling as TuneIn requires 
a huge amount of time and effort to make our case and that's just how it is yeah if we want to do it right we we gotta yeah. do it all the way so please just know that we believe this is important because tune in is an important book mark lewison is an important author and we're not being flippant about this and just to be clear we know there are so many good things about this book just the fact that he used footnotes was really a game changer mm -hmm. and those do offer a level of transparency that we really appreciate again our criticisms are of the narratives but it is very very refreshing <laughs> to not have to complain about sourcing yeah <laughs> yes he really raised the bar for subsequent beatles books in that regard also we love details and lewison loves details so personally uh we enjoy the plethora of beatles minutiae in this book it certainly makes for a rich experience if you are the type of reader who likes that sort of thing which we are <laughs> <laughs> and i also feel that lewison's dedication to really wanting to write a definitive book that is properly fact-checked and his dedication to verifying information and clearing up confusion over dates and such really was a positive influence on subsequent Beatles books. And it has, like I said, raised the bar and paved the way for many of the great books that have followed Tune In. So yes, there are many things that we greatly appreciate about Tune In. And we considered talking about all those positive qualities as well in this series and sort of treating it as a very long format pros and cons list oh my god <laughs> yeah but you know you know ultimately we made the conscious choice to instead focus on our criticisms questions and concerns yeah we've got nine episodes 10 episodes wait what is it 11 episodes <laughs> was sufficient yeah yeah just just about but also because praise for TuneIn's many virtues is available everywhere like literally every other Beatles space has plenty of that for everyone to enjoy but what's not so readily available is any sort of serious criticism of TuneIn mm -hmm. part of ACOM's mission is to provide discussion we feel is missing from Beatles spaces so that's going to be our focus in this series we also want to make the point again that none of this is personal against Mr. Lewison. And in that spirit, we respectfully request that if listeners of our series have some opinions about our work in fine tuning, they do not resort to personal attacks on us. Yes, please. Mark Lewison has earned his own fandom within Beatles Studies, and his readers are extremely dedicated and loyal. We respect that, and we realize that there may be backlash, not just to this series, but to the mere idea that we're critiquing his work at all. Trust us, we are not doing this because we think it will ingratiate us further <laughs> into the <laughs> Beatles' inner media circle. No. We understand some people may not like it on the outside and on the inside, so... If this is our last series, thank you, <laughs> listeners. It's been a blast. It's been great. Yeah. 
So listeners, let us give you a quick rundown of what is included in this series. A course syllabus, if you will. We'll start off nice and easy with shoulder to shoulder. This is a look at TuneIn's most positive direct descriptions of John and Paul, respectively. These will all be from the text of TuneIn, that is, Lewison's own descriptions of John and Paul in his own words. By comparing how Lewison chooses to describe John versus Paul, we will reveal many undeniable discrepancies in word choice, enthusiasm, depth, and tone. What do these discrepancies mean? We'll discuss. For the rest of the series, we will zero right on in on a specific topic for each episode. Yeah, ACOM specialty. That's what we do best. <laughs> it is. It's what we do. It's what we love to do. It's what you love us to do. Win, win, <laughs> win, win, win. So speaking of, what are those topics, Phoebe? Okay, so in Creative Whirlwind, we take a look at how TuneIn reports and characterizes young Lennon and McCartney as budding artists. We'll show that TuneIn significantly downplays and shortchanges, and sometimes even ignores, crucial aspects of McCartney's artistic development and identity. Whereas Lennon's creative development is shown from all angles in loving detail and with unbridled admiration. Next up is Shells and Barriers. This is an episode that explores TuneIn's unequal treatment of John Lennon and Paul McCartney's childhoods, with particular attention paid to the disparate coverage of their childhood stressors, most especially the deaths of their mothers, Julia and Mary. We go pretty deep into what we know of John and Paul's boyhoods and how those experiences shaped their personalities and affected their adult behaviors. Does TuneIn do the same? For both? We will see. Heads up, uh, this is a heavy episode. Episode 5, Leader Lennon, examines TuneIn's major thesis that John Lennon was, and is, leader and implicit owner of the Beatles forever. We'll point out the many holes in this theory and discuss why we disagree with it and why it is a problem. Our next episode, A Prolonged Jealousy, tackles another of TuneIn's main talking points, that Paul McCartney is a fundamentally jealous person, and how his obsessive one-sided jealousy of and over John Lennon was brought to a boil by the presence of Stuart Sutcliffe in the band. We will also analyze TuneIn's treatment of Paul's behavior towards Stuart. Is TuneIn's unforgiving portrayal of Paul's jealousy fair? Or is it over the top? We will discuss. <clears throat> Next is Spanner in the Works. This episode shows how Paul is portrayed as uniquely difficult to manage, deliberately and unjustifiably obstructionist even to the point of sabotaging the band. We use TuneIn's reporting of the early friction between Paul and Brian Epstein as a case study to illustrate how the book guides the reader to side against Paul when he comes into conflict with others. Episode 8, 
no greater buddy, examines how Toonin handles the naughty behavior of its resident bad boy, John Lennon. This is a study of Lewison's coverage of John's bad behavior, rather than the behavior itself. And another heads up, this is also a pretty heavy episode. Next! Episode 9, WTF! This is a bit of a catch-all episode, collecting passages from the book that didn't necessarily belong in any of the other episodes, but that we felt warranted discussion. It's a hodgepodge of perplexing, disturbing, or otherwise questionable sections of TuneIn. <laughs> yeah, sort of grab bag of curiosities. <laughs> and then there is Unseen Paul. In this fun and upbeat episode, we will share and discuss many, many quotes, stories, and insights about Paul as a child and young man. Some flattering, some not, but all mm -hmm. of which are absent from TuneIn. Many of these quotes and stories come from sources TuneIn does use, and many do not. For example, TuneIn never uses any of the direct quotes from insiders provided in the Bob Spitz Beetle bio or Chris Salowich's McCartney bio, and we're not sure why that's the case. Maybe there are proprietary reasons. Uh, but we hope Unseen Paul can and will serve as a supplement to tune in for anyone who wants a fuller, more balanced, or more nuanced view of a vitally important figure in the Beatles story. Also, it is gonna be a chance for us to finally let our hair down, ACOM style. Woohoo! And then yeah. finally, we will wrap with the rap party, <laughs> which is a summation of what we've learned from the series. This episode will include our final thoughts, apprehensions, and hopes for Mr. Lewison's next book, as well as some recommendations for additional listening. Yep, and that is rap with a W, just to be clear. This is not an episode where Phoebe and I rap <laughs> about uh, Tune In or Beatles historiography. No one wants to hear that, including <laughs> us, so... <laughs> Yes, we will be wrapping presents to each other to commemorate <laughs> the end of the series. Y'all, you have no idea how long this mofo has been in the works. Yeah, we Which need to go on holiday at the end of this. Running to and fro, hard working at the mail, never fail at the mail, yet come around the mail. Ow! So that's going to be the series. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> strap in. All right. <laughs> strap in, strap on, and strap out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you at this point are feeling skeptical, we do have some initial raw stats for you. Yay. Yay, stats. <laughs> so to that end, we have created an Excel document that tracks TuneIn's usage of over 100 keywords, significant adjectives, verbs, and other descriptors, positive, <laughs> negative, <laughs> and neutral. What are you laughing at? Why? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with making a graph of words in a book? 
We've charted which beetle gets described with what words and how often. The entire thing will be up and available on our website tomorrow, October 18th. That's anotherkindofmind.com if you want to take a look. If you don't want to be spoiled and <laughs> want to listen to the whole series first, obviously that's fine. Maybe you're already on board. I don't need that list. But uh, in case you do need some more convincing before buying into our premise, this word count chart should help persuade you. So if you want to go grab a sneak peek, um, I recommend taking particular note of the following words. For example, creative, artist, loved, hero, honest, talent, and leader. Daphne, what on earth <laughs> possessed you to do such a thing? Oh, well, what can I say? I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you, Phoebe. When I first read TuneIn, I was immediately struck by its bias. It seemed so clear to me. Yet, whenever I tried to like engage in a conversation about that, in online Beatles spaces, I was always met immediately with such an emphatic shutdown that, you know, I had to start wondering, is it me? <laughs> Am I the problem here? <laughs> so, you know, believe me, I know, I know that counting words in a 1300 page book is an insane thing to do, but it was the only way to gather acceptably hard data. So I did it for my sins and i must say i think the results are striking yeah i'd say they're overwhelming but uh listeners can look and decide for themselves to be clear this word count is not the totality of our analysis correct the numbers are there to supplement our analysis which is very broad very deep very scintillating <laughs> Yes, this series is not merely about numbers. We will be meticulously pulling apart TuneIn's narrative, exposing its bias, and dissecting its messaging over these 11 episodes. <laughs> but consider the word count a helpful preview and something you can share with others. Yeah, it's good to have something visual, easy to attach in an email, perhaps, <laughs> uh, and something that lets you see data and patterns at a glance. Yep. If you have skeptical friends, you might be able to forward this to them. And uh, perhaps they will go, oh, okay. Well, let me give these folks a chance to change my mind. And on that note, to any skeptics who at this point are thinking, well, if TuneIn is so biased, how does it have such good reviews? What are you going to catch that professional reviewers haven't? Mm -hmm. Sure. Fair question. Fair question. Um, but to that, I would just say that professional reviewers are judging the readability, the entertainment value, and the overall reliability of the information within TuneIn. And to that end, we've already agreed that TuneIn is well-documented and entertaining. But, you know, first of all, bias can be difficult to identify if it isn't explicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also might not matter to a reader who isn't significantly invested in the Beatles. Exactly. Yeah, we can't expect book reviewers to always be watchdogs. So for instance, like I watch a lot of biopics on public figures that I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of. 
And while I'm certainly well aware that in any movie, certain storytelling decisions have been made for dramatic purposes, if I don't know the backstory going in, I'm not necessarily going to know what those choices are. Yeah. And then to anyone who listens to the series and thinks, how did I not notice this before? How is this possible? I would just say, you know, I think when we read a book like TuneIn that has a reputation of being exquisitely documented, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, we agree to withhold judgment. We trust that it's going to be unbiased, or at least reasonably so. And we might be prone to overlooking a plethora of microaggressions. Yeah, that's the other thing. I think as fans, we've been conditioned to tolerate a fair amount of aggression towards Palm McCarty. Yes, yes, that is very, very important. Or if not outright aggression, then certainly dismissiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, it started with the breakup, continued pretty viciously for decades before it started to mellow out in the 90s. And so to a certain extent, I think it has just kind of become white noise. Yep. It's just in the water at this point. Sometimes it really does take a third party to pull something apart for you to think like, yeah, that is messed up actually. Yep. And that's just the way it is sometimes. You know, TuneIn is 10 years old at this point. The world has changed a lot in the last decade. Obviously, as culture and society changes, so does the way we think about the Beatles. And we're at a point today where Beatles fans are rightfully questioning a lot of what we've been told by the experts and why. So for all of those reasons, we think it's time for a fresh look at this book and some of the assumptions that are possibly baked into it okay suppose we're right suppose TuneIn is biased why does that matter whom does it really hurt so what if john is elevated above the others don't paul and george and ringo already have it pretty good and aren't readers smart enough to recognize and compensate for bias themselves where it exists That's a great question, Daphne. I'd say the main reason this matters is that by and large readers, both fans and reviewers, do not see TuneIn as biased. And in fact, due to its reputation, many rely on TuneIn to give them the balanced, factual, unvarnished truth. If it's in TuneIn, if Lewison says it, it must be true. Exactly. This is why we're doing a multi-part series on TuneIn as opposed to, say, Philip Norman's Shout, even though Shout is a much more problematic book. Shout was revered for decades as the definitive history of the Beatles, but now Mm -hmm. it's widely perceived as very biased. And even Philip Norman has publicly acknowledged that, yes, it was biased. So by this point, Shout is largely irrelevant because... Its authority amongst Beatles fans has been usurped by TuneIn. In other words, if it was widely agreed that TuneIn shows favoritism towards Lennon, 
or against McCartney, this series would matter much less. But as we've discussed, that's not the case. TuneIn does not have that reputation. Not at all. Now, certainly there are a fair amount of people that do see the bias in TuneIn and are perturbed by it and will no doubt be nodding along as they listen to the series. But for many, this will be a brand new look at TuneIn, one they hadn't considered until now. And to those of you, we say welcome and thank you for giving us a chance. Yes. Listen up, guys. Super (laughs) important note, everybody. In this series, we will be using the PDF version of All These Years, Volume 1, a.k.a. Tune In. That means whenever we give a page number, that page number refers to the PDF file, not the print version. Very important distinction that will save a lot of time and prevent a lot of confusion. We are insane, but we are not insane enough to conduct (laughs) manual word searches through a 1,000 plus page paper book. Okay. Thank God. (laughs) Not quite (laughs) tipped over that particular cliff. We've Uh, ordered like a case of post-it notes and highlighters. (laughs) A lot of of push pins. (laughs) Like Woodward and Bernstein over here. Oh, you're totally Woodward. <laughs> you are absolutely Robert Redford to my. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I've always to had my... a thing for Dustin Hoffman. So. To my Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we used a searchable PDF. And the total exact page count of the PDF is 1,390 pages, in case anyone was curious. Please don't add us about things that you might have found in the extended mm. version of TuneIn, for example. Yeah. The extended version is obviously a bit longer, but this series is not about the director's cut. It's about the theatrical release. Yes. The standard edition is what most people own and or have read, of course, so it makes sense for us to work from it. And obviously it will contain what Lewison considers most important. That's why it's in the standard edition. So again, just if you want to follow along, we're telling you that the pages here are in the searchable PDF. So the word counts, the page numbers, and our analysis are all in reference to the PDF standard version of TuneIn published by Crown Publishing 2013. Don't pull something from the extended version and say, well, you didn't say this. This is here. Uh, Maybe there might be things in the extended version. We're talking about the PDF. Yeah. It's not the way you smile that touched my heart. It's not the way you kiss that tears me apart. We should also acknowledge. <laughs> that published interviews can differ from audio. I've I've run into that myself. 
For example, Lennon Remembers and the Playboy Tapes from 1980. In both of those cases, the published version of some statements are edited for print in a way that is significant enough to have occasionally altered or at least somewhat influenced my interpretation of a given quote. So I am mindful that there may be instances where Lewison is working for more information than we are. If he has unprecedented access to source material, it's possible he has more complete info on certain sources. So although we have done our homework and we have been as meticulous as possible, if there's more to a source than initially meets the eye, perhaps we unknowingly missed something. Absolutely. Yeah, or maybe there will be cases where we object to how Lewis interprets a quote sourced in the footnote, but perhaps it turns out there's another quote somewhere that does jibe with his interpretation. And so maybe he had that in the back of his mind, but it isn't the one that actually made it into the footnote. You know, I could see that happening. That's yeah. might happen. So maybe he's basing his interpretation on something he did not reference. Correct. Yeah. We can't read his mind. <laughs> yeah. And we are not infallible. <gasps> what? Damn it. I didn't want anyone to know. outside of the bag yeah sure is we are not infallible so please feel free to let us know when that happens we know that you will (laughs) yeah and that's absolutely fine we are not perfect lewis is not perfect we're not perfect the beatles are not perfect the world is an imperfect place screws fall out all the time okay have we given enough caveats is that everything are we ready to go Last thing, thanks and acknowledgements. Last but not least, this series could not have happened without the hard work of our fellow contributors, Iris Murphy, Deirdre Taylor, and Talia Reynolds. All of these women did an enormous amount of work for fine-tuning, arduous research, brainstorming, organization, and analysis. They all have our eternal gratitude. Thank you, friends, for your hard work and dedication and brain power. We could not have done this without you. We'd also like to shout out some smart conversations about TuneIn on The Historian and The Beatles, Aaron Tarkelson Weber's blog. And also give a shout out, as always, to Beatles Tumblr. Also, a sincere thank you to listeners and supporters of Another Kind of Mind. You know who you are. If you like our work here and you think it merits further listening and discussion, please post or repost us, tweet or retweet us, post us on your Facebook, Blue Sky, Mastodon, Instagram, to your various online discussion groups. Tell other Beatle fans about this series. We would love to start a constructive public conversation about TuneIn. Everyone will not agree with us on every point, and obviously no one has to. But we would love to see people talking about this, thinking about these issues, and thinking about how we talk about and think about the Beatles in the past, in the present, and moving into the future. And, of course, if you think our show merits praise, please leave us a good review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Send a note to your favorite music blogs, magazines, journalists, 
seriously, word of mouth is how we will succeed and we need your help to do that. Remember, we take no money here at ACOM, no Patreon, no advertising dollars. And that's because we answer to no one. That's how we like it. And that's how we like it. We do this for free because we believe in what we do. Yeah. Let's get ready for fine tuning. It's happening finally. Do it. Woohoo! The sun is fading away. That's the end of the day. As the June light turns to moonlight, I'll be on my way. Thank you for listening to another kind of mind. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast series, Fine Tuning, an examination of Mark Lewison's Tune In. For supplemental material on fine tuning, visit our website at anotherkindofmind.com. There you will find our word count graph, related lists and photos, notes on all of our episodes, and a complete playlist of the many fabulous songs featured in fine tuning. Want to discuss fine-tuning with other ACOM listeners? Got thoughts, questions, disagreements? Marriage proposals? You can find and follow us on social media. We also have a discussion group on the old Facebook that listeners can request to join. You can also email us at acompodcast at gmail.com. Our podcast is a labor of love. We make no money from advertisers or patrons. But of course, the absolute best way to show your support is to recommend ACOM to others. Like and share us on social media. Post our episodes in your online forums and chats. Send links to your friends, kids, grandparents, dog. Tell that cutie at the record store about us. Mmm, what a great icebreaker. Bring it up to the bartender next <laughs> Friday. <right. laughs> Tell the moms at PTA. ACOM will improve your life is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs>